Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Maverick Cast. I am Jason. I am back in Omaha. And I'm John, and I'm excited to hear about your trip uh, to Colorado College, and I'm sure that the fans are looking forward to that, too. Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, not, not, the, not the reason you ever want to go someplace, uh, but to get a hockey game in was, was a, a nice addition to the trip, we'll say. Yeah, that was a nice little bonus for you on that trip. Yeah, I mean, gave us something to look forward to, so. Unfortunately, uh, we did not get the uh, the outcome that we had both predicted. The Friday night Mavs reared their ugly head again, and we managed to lose to a what I would consider a lesser opponent. Yeah, you know, we really thought going into this series that UNO could sweep. Now, UNO has struggled the past few weekends on Friday nights in that first game of the series. Unfortunately... Their woes continued on Friday night, and it was not a good game out of the gate. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't look great to start. Um, you know, I know a lot of teams in the past have talked about the problem with Friday games. That that first game is always the road weary game uh, because you have been traveling and, and you're kind of not into a routine and, and things like that. But you know, if you want to be like you said, if you want to be in the conversation for an NCAA. Uh, run if you want a, a chance at a at a conference championship like you've got to find a way to get through it and we just looked flat uh in the beginning and and I know that on the chat forums and stuff people are talking about our offense and and you and I talked a little bit about that uh in text during the game but we have got to find a way to create chaos you know force their uh, their defensive system to make adjustments. And I really felt like Friday night, we played right into Colorado college. You know, we gave them exactly what they expected. We went right where they wanted us to go, you know, and we never really challenged them and forced them to make a, a play defensively. Uh, most of the saves I think that Vernon had to make were pretty uh, routine. I don't think you really saw too many uh, opportunities that were just, uh, spectacular saves or, or high danger opportunities. And, and we've just got to do a better job of getting to the high quality chances and, and putting guys in places where, you know, they've got uh, a quality chance to score a goal. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it is exactly. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon with this team right now, this season where they do come out and look so flat and they don't play with a sense of urgency and they don't play the type of defensive game where they do all of the little things right, like getting down and blocking shots. I don't know if it's just that because it's a perceived inferior opponent that they struggle, but they struggled last week against Minnesota Duluth, which is one of the top programs in the country. And they had a similar outcome on Friday night. So it's hard to, it's, it's hard to get a read on what's going on with the team. And I, I don't get it, and I know you don't get it, and, and we're as perplexed as anybody. Uh, uh, hopefully, they'll figure it out, right? Yeah, you know, and this is the thing, like, we've talked, and I don't want to, you know, get on our soapbox again on this, but I think it needs to be said of, like, I watch not just Cara Avalanche. Like, I watch other NHL teams. I've watched AHL teams and their press conferences after their games. And the media challenges the coaches on, you know, exactly what we're talking about. 
the guys came out and they looked flat. They didn't look prepared. You know, what, how did you see Friday night's game? Uh, you know, did you feel like they did? What, what do you need to see out of them to make that game different? Like those types of questions. I understand it sucks having to answer those as a coach uh, because if you had the answer to them, you would have done something during the game. And a lot of times it comes down to the players just being willing to, to do what they need to do, but hold them accountable. Like we should have Gabnet in front of us. We should have writers and broadcasters that are sitting down and saying, we see that that wasn't a good enough effort, right? Like we challenge you as fans who want to see this team succeed to do better. And I just don't feel like anyone outside of, you know, the diehard fan base that are on the, the support groups, you know, and we're just yelling at each other about the same thing we all agree on, which is they didn't do what they needed to do. And right. I want to hear that from coach. Like I want to see coach come out and say, look, we, we prepared the wrong way. We, you know, we did something that didn't work and we're going to do something different. Like I want him to come out and say, yeah, we know it's a problem and we're working on it. In seasons past, they, they would webcast the post-game press conferences and the, uh, the midweek press conference, the Tuesday morning press conference with the team. So you had some more insights into what the psyche of the team was, what was going on with the coaches, what the mindset was. I mean, I'll be honest with you. We, we have very little of that. And, and that's part of the reason I can't get a read of read on the team. And, and, and perhaps that's by design. I don't know, but I would like to know more so I can understand what's going on other than the fact that it's, you know, it's frustrating and we're just continuing to focus on our process and doing the little things right. I want to understand what's going on with the team. If there are nagging injuries, I want to know if players aren't feeling well, it'd be nice to know, but we just don't know that. So in the absence of information, there's speculation, and that's kind of what's going on with the team. Now, fortunately, on Saturday night, the game that you and Jolene and the girls got to attend, you yeah. and Otis round, and they ended up winning, winning that game. But it was one of those things that it still felt frustrating because you're like, why couldn't they have come out like this on Friday night and, and get it done? And even then, the game right. was awfully close on Saturday night that you got to see uh, in Colorado Springs. But even there, you know, in a win, like there's a lot of opportunity for the coach to say that's, you know, that's something that we can build off of, right? Like, I want to know how did they feel? They, they dominated from a possession and opportunity in the first. Like, that was the team that we needed to see on Friday. That was the effort that we needed to see. But we didn't get the same effort in the second period. So that's the kind of thing, like, I'd want to sit in front of coach. That's my question for you. How did you feel in the locker room between the first and the second? And how did you feel in the locker room between the second and the third? Because you should look at those, those two periods, the first and the second period, and say, our game was different. We, we played differently. We operated differently. We didn't, you know, what did you not do? And what did you, you know, what did you do that was good that you could build upon? You know, and give them the opportunity to say, you know, I really feel like these guys stepped up and came through in the third and really adjusted well. And, you know, let let the media, let the fan base know that the coach is behind and this is what he's looking at. You know, same thing with like for what, three, I think three or four series now, you know, we've talked about it before about there needing to be chemistry and there needs to be secondary scoring. And we got moved off of the line with 
Primo and Ward. And since then, Ward and Primo's line have not been as productive as we've seen them when, when those three were there as a unit, right? So like, I want to see, like, how do those two feel without Lisa on their line? You know, what's different? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? You know, what are you working on? How does Weiss feel about being with Mueller um, or Miller or whoever they decide to kind of having a rotating uh, crew around him? Like, what's what's his read on that stuff? Those are, you know, I really feel like the fan base would connect to that and and really feel like we get a we get to understand how difficult this is because I don't think that. There's plenty of people out there that don't understand how hard it is to coach and how hard it is to play. And we look at it and we think, you know, as fans, we always think that like we have all the answers, right? I've said it on the podcast a number of times. It's like, I would do something different because as a coach, I have a different style. That doesn't make it right or wrong, you know? And there's a lot of times I look at something saying, I don't know what to do because I don't have any information. I'm not in the locker room, right? So that's an opportunity to connect with your fan base. And and I just think it's a missed one because there's a lot of opportunities when you look at particularly this Colorado College series, you know, where there are evenly fought matchups to say, what needs to be different? Where do we want to go? It would be nice to have a, a greater understanding of the mindset of the coaching staff because we have three smart guys leading our team. And and it's something that I hope they do more of in the future. In today's, uh, you know, communications culture that we have, you can talk to people directly and talk to people instantly. So it would be nice to have that. Um, like you said, though, UNO played well throughout that CC game, although we did give up a goal a minute 17 into the first period, which I was a little worried about. And I felt for you guys there uh, there at, uh, at the, uh, the new Colorado College Arena having to sit there and watch that. I'm like, oh, I hope this goes uh, better. And it did go better. It was really weird, though. We did not have a power play the entire game because Colorado yeah. College apparently, apparently did not commit any penalties during the game. It's amazing in a conference like the NCHC in Division One hockey that you can go an entire game with no penalties. I, that's one where I know no league does it, but yeah, I would, I would love to have those refs in front of me because I can tell you right now, there was plenty for them to call. They made the choice not to, because I'm sitting in his sight line, looking right over his head going, I saw that clearly a hook and he doesn't call it. And it's like, I would really like to know what you saw that you said, eh, that's all right. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's kind of like football. They always talk in football that you could call holding on nearly every play from scrimmage, you know? So there are all kinds of, uh, you know, there's, there's obstruction, there's interference, there's hook, there's things like that right. that happen all throughout a game that you could potentially call and for whatever reason he didn't call them. So it was a statistical anomaly. So I guess we should be happy that UNO comes out with the win despite not having a man advantage to talk of during the entire game. Yeah. And to your point, when we started, you know, when we got that goal early, I thought, Oh, how are they going to respond? Uh, and then as the, as the period went on, like my concern was that we were getting, we were controlling a lot of the play. We we're getting a lot of the opportunities. Uh, but for, you know, quite a bit of that, we were not getting anything out of it. Right. Um, 
and you were just kind of starting to feel like, are they gripping their sticks a little tight because they think Vernon's got their number kind of thing. You know, a lot like the way I think they play against Denver. You know, it's like you're just trying too hard. You're, you know, there were a couple of times where I was frustrated because I'm like, you passed up a quality shot to try to make a low percentage pass getting the goalie to move. And it's like, take the shot in a position where the rebound is going to come to your player, like shoot to pass um, rather than, rather than just bailing on it. And it's like, Oh, I, I was really worried there until McManus's goal. And that was just a brilliant of a snipe. And, and that's even then it was like, is it going to take something like that to, you know, to beat him, right? Like, do we need one more of those? And then an amazing defensive effort, Ugh, which is just always hard to do. So we get the split on the road, not what we were looking for, but, uh, but I guess I'll ask you who your player of the weekend was. And I only prepped for one player. So, <laughs> so is Jason going to pick the obvious pick on the um, I'm going to, I, I know it's like, of course he's taking this guy, but I have to take Weiss because I, I like the number of opportunities that came off of his playmaking ability alone. Just like there's no business for us to have an opportunity off of that um, that setup, but because of you know his ability to make a pass, um, I thought he skated really really well. That was one of the things. I just really like to see is, is that his hustle with the puck uh, and winning some, some 50, 50 battles that he had. Uh, that's always nice. Uh, Cause a lot of times he'll kind of let up and play a little bit of defense on some of that stuff. And so um, I really liked his game both nights over out there. Uh, he, I'm pretty sure he got an assist on our only goal on Friday night. So um, that's, you know, that's what we need to see. We talk about secondary scoring and the reason why you move him off that top line is it's to, give yourself something there. That's what it's going to take for teams to not just key up on Warden Primo. Yeah, exactly. He's a great player, great puck handler. And like you said, he gets the puck where it needs to be. He has an uncanny ability to do that. He's kind of like a, a really good point guard um, in college basketball. He knows where to get the ball and how to get it to the shooters. And, uh, and yeah, so good pick. It's not surprising Jason's out in Colorado and he picks uh, the avalanche draft pick uh, for his player. And I'm going to pick Matt Miller this weekend. That was the uh, obvious pick who had two goals on the weekend. Uh, It's nice to see Miller scoring again. He had a lot of success early on this season. We haven't heard a lot from him the past couple of months. Uh, So it's nice to see him do that. Uh, He's just a good, solid, dependable player. And it's uh, like you said, it's nice to see, uh, more players than uh, Primo, Ward, McManus, the usual suspects getting goals. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to give the nod to Matt Miller for his uh, two-goal performance this weekend and, uh, and uh, helping UNO to, uh, to get uh, a split out in Colorado Springs. So turning to our shootout segments and talking about Colorado Springs, Jason and Jolene, as well as Connor Willingham, who I did mention on the last podcast, but the podcast buffered, which I'm sure it'll do again here. Um, 
got to see the new uh, Ed Robeson Arena out in Colorado Springs, the on-campus arena for Colorado College. It was, you know, I, I say it's going to do for Colorado College what Baxter Arena did for Omaha. Like, there's a lot of kids that are going to come in and say, brand new facility, this is a, a great place to play. I want to I want to come to Colorado College because this is just a, a really nice place. You know, this is a great place to call home. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that as an NCHC team, like we've got to be prepared for because it's, it's small. It's smaller than Baxter for, for all of the Omaha fans. Just, you know, it's, it's pretty close to half the size. Uh, it's that old slant barn style, which is really kind of cool. I kind of like that, that style of kind of uh, Northeastern, uh, has a similar style to their arena. You know, it's, it's that, that nor very much that Northeast design, which is kind of cool. Um, parking sucks. They don't have, they don't have really any on-campus parking. Like your parking is either by permit or you park on the street and you walk, which is kind of interesting. Um, there's a garage down, down one way, uh, that you can park in the garage. But when we were looking at like where we we're going to park, and seeing that there was just like, this is permanent only, this is permanent only, this is permanent only. And we're like, oh God, how far are we gonna have to walk for this thing? Which is kind of a pain. But, but once you get in, you know, even with all of their, uh, I guess just so people know, you know, it's, it's different everywhere you go, but they required N95 masks uh, to be worn at all times. They had just started concessions when we went and it was limited concessions only. Uh, at least four times we saw an usher come down and tell someone to put their mask on and warn them that they will be removed if they don't. Um, they, you had to have proof of vaccine to get in. Uh, but even with all that, with having to have a mask and, and having to have uh, the vaccine things, it was all really quick and easy to get in. It's, it's very fluid. They have the digital ticket system which is all RFID. So I just went up and tapped my phone and tickets accepted and I'm in. Um, it's interesting because it's just a far cry different from the experience of just getting in as a fan here at Omaha. Uh, but it, it's a really nice arena. And I think that uh, teams are gonna have, have a tough time playing against them there because they definitely have a home, home field, home ice advantage and it's loud. They play their stuff loud, which is great. I'd love to hear us crank up the volume, Baxter. So, uh, it looked like the uh, it looked like the angles that the sight lines in the seats were pretty steep. Is that correct? Yeah, it's that it's that old stadium style that that goes back <laughs> to the northeastern design, where you know you only have one level, you don't have an upper bowl. Uh, they're sweet on on the press box side because of that slanted area. Uh, that's where you have all of your uh, press box and your your club level seats and stuff like that and then there's just concourse around and it's it's steep seating down so you could really like you didn't have to worry about people in front of you um you could see the the puck really well you could see the play even for us sitting on an end and looking all the way down uh you could you could really see quite a bit of the game uh without being obstructed which is i think you know really nice and stuff uh, and shout out to all the other fans. Like you mentioned, Connor was there, but there was a, I ran into quite a few Omaha fans just walking around the concourse, getting pictures and stuff. Uh, and we could see a, 
an entourage of, of Omaha fans that kind of sat down in one of the corners. Uh, and so shout out to all of them that made the trip because it was really cool to not be alone as a, an Omaha fan when they score their goals to be standing up and seeing other people standing up and cheering. That sounds fantastic. Now, I have to ask you, this is one one uh, uh, point of interest is how were the restrooms? Did you visit the restrooms while you were there? I did not visit the restrooms. We did point out that, you know, a new arena, new social policies or something, they had uh, on the signs, it said identify as male, identify as female, I think, or something like that, instead of men's restroom and women's restroom. So that was that I noticed and I was like, okay, but all right, politics aside, that's the way they decided to do it. So, um, but no, I did not. We'll have to ask uh, Jolene to comment on the, on the podcast here or something, because I know she took the girls to the restroom, but. And, um, and now we know Jason has, you know, a bladder made of steel. So, so we're. Uh... <laughs> well, you know, he's living in concessions. I couldn't have a beer. So, I mean. That that is true. You didn't have an adult beverage, so uh, so that definitely helped your case out. So uh, very interesting. Uh, if you're listening to the uh, video version of this podcast or watching the video version of this podcast, uh, Jason sent me some pictures that I will share, so you can uh, you can take a look at that. And if you're listening to the audio version, be sure to check out the video version on uh, YouTube, and uh, you can see those uh, you can see those pictures. So turning to our next shootout segments it's one that i am just absolutely thrilled to talk about every week during the game broadcast in particular the road game broadcast because most of the fans that we're conversing with uh, on twitter uh, have season tickets or they uh, buy single game tickets and come to the games when uno's playing in omaha but during the road games uh, I got to tell you, every week there are fans who are trying to listen to the radio broadcast um, on 1180 AM of the UNO hockey games via 1180 AM stream on their website. And for whatever reason, they are not able to stream the game. Now, I, over the last season or two, but in particular this season, I thought, well, maybe it's just the glitch. Uh, in how it's being streamed, how it's being web webcast. Um, I didn't know what circumstances people were using. I didn't know if they were trying to stream it on their phone or on tablet, computer, et cetera. Uh, but it turns out this was a real issue. Uh, Bridget contacted uh, the folks at 1180. Uh, I know another fan, uh, uh, independent of us, that we didn't know contacted the folks at 1180 as well as some of the folks at UNO and Learfield. Uh, behind the radio broadcast, but it turns out that 1180 AM, and I know people are probably asking, why don't you just listen to it on the radio? Because 1180 AM is very difficult to tune in uh, in various parts of Omaha. Uh, we here in Midtown Omaha are able to tune it in pretty well. I've, I've got a lot of old school electronics, so so radios, old analog TVs are not a problem for me, but for a lot of people, it's hard for them to tune it in. It's hard for them driving down the road to tune it in in their car, so they want to stream it. Apparently, the stream, Jason, is geofenced, so if people are 75 miles or more outside of Omaha, they can't stream 1180 AM's 
feed of the radio broadcast. I'm not sure that the uh, that the uh, IP blocking is necessarily working the way that they want it, but we did learn that you can stream the game on the Omaha Mavericks app or on Learfield, which is UNO's uh, marketing partner, as is the case with a lot of colleges. You can stream it on Learfield's Varsity Network app and you won't have any problems. So that's probably more than anybody wanted to know about the radio broadcast, but this brings up an interesting point, Jason. Should games be blacked out or blocked as far as radio broadcast goes? This is, this is a topic that when it comes to sports just drives me absolutely nuts. What are your thoughts on this? If your goal is to create buzz around a team, to create a following, to engage with your fan base, making them jump through hoops and saying that you can but you can't kind of thing is, it just puts a poor taste in people's mouth. So I, I'm never much of a, you know, I just, I never really like it. Like provide an opportunity for someone, regardless of where they are, who wants to hear the game or see the game or something, you just give them that opportunity, right? Uh, I say, if I want to watch it, like there's always a price point, but I'm willing to pay for content that I find valuable. You know, and so if I need to pay for something to watch, you know, a, a game or something like that, I'll, you know, I'll do it to a certain degree. There's always that point because we've had that argument before about some of the costs for some of these things. And it's like, it's just not worth it at that price. But if you provide a reasonable way of, of people seeing the game, I think people will do it. The second thing that I would say is, you might as well provide them a, a legal opportunity to listen to your game on the radio or watch your game on TV, because as I, I told my, one of my friends who works in, in broadcast, I said, you need to understand that when you start talking about these things, you are the stupidest person in the room. And I don't mean that as like an insult to anyone who's working at Learfield or anything like that, but you need to understand that there are incredibly smart people out there that will find a way to steal something if they want it. And ESPN, you know, they go through, they jump through so many hoops and exchange with so many hoops. They do so much to prevent you from watching blackout games. And yet people still find a way to get around it because the majority of fans that are willing to pay for it don't have an opportunity to pay for it. There's no yeah. way in some of these markets to stream NHL games. And so what do they do? Well, they go to these other websites, they find these ways to illegally stream content because they want to see it. And I, I firmly believe that if you give people a reasonable price option to watch it legally, or in this case, listen to it legally, like I think they will. So you know what, have a, if you wanna listen on the radio, you know, have a 99 cent donation thing. Like I'd pay a buck to listen to a game if that's what it took. And I want to consume that content. I don't care where you are. It could be in the middle of Minnesota. I don't care. Like Speaking of radio here locally, uh, KFAB, one of the, the big AM stations, you know, back, uh, back during the seventies and eighties 
when they broadcast Husker football games. Uh, it was a cash cow for that radio, uh, that radio station. It was a very lucrative contract that they had. Not only did they make money, Husker football made money. It was, it was a big deal. But if you were a Husker football fan, you were lucky to get to see three games on television per season because all you had were the three networks and ESPN as, as the 80s wore on. And so I remember uh, Nebraska Educational Television, our public television network, wanted to broadcast some of the Husker football games and they had sponsors interested in it, et cetera. Well, because of the way that the broadcast contract was structured with KFAB, there was some question as to whether KFAB, which was a radio station, would let them broadcast the game. So some people had talked about, well, maybe they could, they could broadcast the video on Nebraska Educational Television and then just not have audio with it. And people could tune in to KFAB if they wanted to listen to the audio. Ultimately, it didn't end up happening, but it just shows you how sometimes these, these convoluted, arcane kind of legacy broadcast contracts and mentalities really mess everything up when the whole idea is you want people engaging with your product and engaging with your program. And, you know, sports is kind of the last bastion of linear television. At some point, that's all going to change. And you want to get people around the country and around North America, in the case of hockey, where a lot of your players come from Canada, you want them engaging with your product. So, so hopefully those things will change. But, uh, but we got a little bit of clarity on the radio contract. Again, if you use the Varsity Network app from Learfield or the Omaha Mavericks app, you should be able to stream the games, no problem. Hopefully 1180 on their end may figure out the games, but the whole geofencing thing where certain IP addresses are blocked, if you're using a VPN, you're not gonna be able to listen to a game that way. And, and the way that IP addresses are handled today is a, it's, it's just a very different world than it was even a decade ago. So, uh, so I'm sure Jason and I will be talking about this because streaming and broadcast is something that we're interested in and, and frustrated by at the same time. So, so turning to our next series, it's at North Dakota. Now, Bridget and Jolene gave their predictions for UNO at North Dakota a few weeks ago. But that game ultimately was postponed. UNO ended up traveling out to Denver. So UNO is finally making the trip up to Grand Forks, our annual trip. We're their, uh, we're their travel partner. But this is a big series coming up for UNO. Uh, UNO uh, has played well and has had success against North Dakota up in Grand Forks. What do you think about this series? It's, it's, happening, uh, it's happening as the Olympics are getting ready to start. So I know that a player or two from North Dakota won't be on their, uh, won't be on their roster. Uh, do you think that's going to have any effect, Jason? Or, uh, or do you think uh, the Fighting Hawks are going to be uh, a tough draw as usual? I think there will always be some effect. There'll, there'll be something different about the team. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to how they're going to handle it. You know, as a team, they could look at it saying, you know, we're missing a couple guys and they're key guys. And that's the reason why we lost. Um, or they can look at it and say, this is an opportunity for some other guys to get some playing time and we're going to make the most of it. And, you know, we're going to make it hard for you to say that, you know, we should be taken off the roster when those guys get back. Right. Uh, unfortunately, like North Dakota recruiting, Denver recruiting, you know, schools like that. It's it's so deep in their recruiting that I still think it's a quality team that we're going up against. Um, 
I, I will predict a split because we, like you said, we've had some success up there. Uh, and again, you know, with the, with the split in Colorado College, like we've got our backs against the wall. We have to get some quality wins out of this if we want an outside chance. I think last I saw in the poll, we were sitting at 18, um, which is not making, you know, not even a bubble team at that point in time. We're not even looking at last team out, of, last team in or first team out type of situation. So if this group of, if this group of guys wants to make uh, an NCAA tournament again, uh, if they want to keep Omaha hockey on the map, it has to be done this week. Like it has to start this weekend. You have to find a way to at least get a split out of this weekend. And if we can keep ourselves close uh, and get, you know, some puck luck and find our way to a, to a two win weekend, that would go a long way in getting us back into the conversation. Right. And I think the key in getting the split uh, for UNO this weekend is, is it's going to be defensive play and it'll be the play of Isaiah Seville. You know, uh, over the years, we haven't had a lot of uh, true NHL caliber goaltenders on our team and we're going to need him to step up big against North Dakota. Uh, that's going to, that's going to be a huge factor in this game, but we're also going to need the guys in front of him. We're going to need the defensive play to be outstanding in order to beat them because, uh, because again, you don't know what's, uh, what's going to happen as it regards puck luck and our scoring on the weekend. So we've got to be prepared to uh, clamp things down, tighten the screws and uh, get things done defensively. You're picking a split. Unlike you, I'm going to go a little bit pessimistic this week since I seem to have been picking splits the last few weeks. I'm going to say we get swept by the Fighting Hawks this weekend. I think we have an opportunity, but again, we can't come out flat on Friday night like we've been coming out uh, the past few series. We've got to find a way to play our best hockey. And uh, as Coach Gabinette says, do the little things right. They head to Miami the following week, and then they've got... Uh, six straight games at home to end the season. So they do have opportunities coming up, but I like you, it would be great if they got a split as you predicted, but I'm saying they get swept. Be sure to stay tuned uh, during those broadcasts, which I hope many of you are watching on NCHC TV this weekend because the coverage out of Grand Forks is always fantastic. Um, be sure to follow us on, uh, on Twitter where Bridget will be live tweeting the games. Um, we, of course, uh, uh, regarding our radio segment earlier, we'll be looking forward to seeing if fans have better luck uh, streaming the radio broadcast this weekend for those who don't watch video, who uh, enjoy uh, listening to the audio. And uh, if you want to find back episodes of this podcast, you can find those at mavpuck.com for the last almost four years now we've been doing it, Jason. So yeah. a lot of episodes for people to consume if they want to go back and relive every blow-by-blow blow moments uh, of this uh, hockey team's history uh, since 2018. So until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs.